0: Thank you so much, and welcome
1: to our live stream, where we're going to be talking about the Book of Enoch and other questions as well, but we are going to start on that. But before we do, I obviously want to introduce the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. How are we doing today?
2: I'm blessed. Looking forward to the questions, brother.
1: Well, praise God. And before we get to any of the questions, we want to thank you guys so much for sending in a bunch. And also, guess what? We are leaving. That's right. We're sending out a mission team to Costa Rica. And we're going to be sharing the gospel out on the streets of Costa Rica with a group out there. And we are excited to get out there. And because of that, we're going to be doing a number of live shows coming up. Hopefully, some live on the streets of Costa Rica. We're going to hopefully be showing you guys some of the witnessing that we're doing, and hopefully help you out with some witnessing tips of your own concerning that. But I wanted to say that the one on Enoch, which is one that we get all the time written into us concerning the book of Enoch. Now, there are three books of Enoch, first, second, and third, but really only one of them that predates, and for most people would say, predates the Christian faith in terms of when it was written. So that's the one most of our focus will be on, but I'm sure we'll discuss all three a little bit. But nonetheless, we're going to be talking about that because, funny enough, it is one of the more common questions that we get. I think the most common question that we get at Good Fight or at Blessed Hope Chapel, our home church, is, hey, uh, I go to this church or I'm looking for a church, I haven't found a church, and so forth, And then after that, there are a number of different questions, and I would say people asking the question concerning the book of Enoch, specifically First Enoch, that one is right up there in the top 10. So we thought, why not talk about it on a live show? Why not explain it the best we possibly can so that people can have an answer they can go back to? And I'm excited to talk about this with Joe, and hopefully— when he's answering some of these questions that I can look at some of the questions you might add to this and even maybe a little bit of follow-up if you guys have something on there that you're like, hey, what about this? Why was you know why was Enoch quoted in Scripture if it's not Scripture and so forth? Some of those questions are really, really important for us to look at, see, and examine. And we, as I said, I've had family members contact us and say, hey, I'm having struggles with this. Why isn't this book in the Bible? It says all these things. What do we do? So, Joe, I I gotta, I gotta ask you because this is not something that I guess is happening in a vacuum. I think online, internet, and so forth. There are a number of people, my own family members, who in the last, I guess, five or six years or so, have really gotten enamored with the Book of Enoch. And as I said, we're we're specifically talking about First Enoch, not really as much Second Enoch and Third Enoch and these ones. Um, cause these are so later that it's not that the other one's not extra, extra late, but we'll get to all that. But these are so late that, you know, no scholar and most people online, I don't see them kind of pushing, uh, so forth, um, you know, second Enoch and third Enoch as much, but I wanted to address this because so many people are getting some really weird doctrine. Some people actually read it and don't even see some of the really weird doctrine, but we'll get into that that comes from Enoch, but also maybe some people don't know some of the benefits of understanding maybe Judaism at that time and mm-hmm. some of the teachings as well. But I guess with all of this, Joe, the question that has started this show is, why is First Enoch specifically, why is the book of Enoch not found in our scriptures?
2: Yeah, and that's a great question. It was always uh, rejected by mainstream Judaism, it wasn't considered by Uh, mainstream Judaism is part of their canon of Scripture. Uh, It wasn't considered by the, you know, when the New Testament was collated together. There's like some 25 lists or so, 25 different lists uh, by several, you know, uh, leaders throughout the church age. Uh, Some we would say after the founding of Catholicism, but even prior to with Miletus, you know, uh, where you have prior to Catholicism, these uh, lists of various books. And over and over again, you don't see uh, Enoch in there, you know. That doesn't mean. I mean, you have Tertullian mentioning Enoch in a favorable way, in considered inscription and so forth. So there is some confusion from the get go as well. So we have to be honest with the evidence. But the evidence is overwhelming that, by and large, the Christian Church. I don't think you find the Book of Enoch in any <coughs> translation. It's always been rejected by uh, the Church from from the ages past. So, but at the same time, why does it end up there? Uh, perhaps you could read, uh, you know, Jude. Uh, verse fourteen and that may give some people some insight as to why people say, hey, maybe we should be looking at the book of Enoch, maybe it's scripture and so forth. And that might be very helpful to look at that. Do you want to quote Jude or read Jude 14?
1: Yeah, that's no no problem. And uh I also have, you know, where they believe it's obviously taken from in 1 Enoch 1 9. So uh Jude 14 and 15, it says, it was also about about these men that Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way and all of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And now this is, uh, this is the quote also people say, Hey, he says it's from Enoch. And then when we go to first Enoch, first Enoch one, nine reads and behold, he cometh with 10000s of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to destroy all the ungodly and to convict all flesh of all the works of their ungodliness which they have ungodly committed and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So we see it seems like he's quoting this so yeah, wise well, scripture. There's
2: actually a reworked the time and the minutiae as far as the quotation is mm-hmm. a little bit different uh, as far as where the word convicted is and so forth. Uh so, you know, many scholars will agree that uh, what we read in First Enoch 1 Enoch 1-9 and we read in Jude 14 are basically the same. Uh, the question is, and notice that Jude doesn't say the book of 1 Enoch says, you know. He's not quoting from the book of 1 Enoch, uh, or Enoch, I don't believe. I believe he's personally quoting Enoch. I believe the source material that 1 Enoch uses is the same source material that Jude uses. Uh, they're both. The difference is, is that uh, Jude is an inspired writing by the Holy Spirit through the, through uh, Jude, uh, and that Jude by the Holy Spirit uses a quotation from Enoch, who was a prophet. We know we know uh, that Enoch was a prophet because Enoch named his son Methuselah, okay? Uh, we know he's a prophet from Jude, but we also know that Methuselah, uh, that name itself means when he dies, basically, the judgment will come. Well, if you look at his 969 years, he uh, lived longer than any other man, the very year he dies, chronologically, is when the flood comes. When he died, the judgment of God came. He was a prophet for sure. And I have no doubt that he made that declaration about the Lord's coming. And the Lord spoke to him. The Lord revealed that to him. Uh, so Judy the uh, was given that by word of knowledge from the Lord, by way of divine revelation directly, or that, that Enoch had made that declaration, or I believe it was a statement, a declaration of Enoch's that survived uh, until... Jude's day, and was quoted. It was one of, through uh, an oral uh, revelation that was passed down uh, through the years. Obviously, I think uh, when Enoch names his son Methuselah, and he's a prophet, and Noah's aware of that, uh, wouldn't it be unlikely that some of his sayings would be remembered and passed down orally? Uh, we have to also keep in mind that God sometimes does that in Scripture. We see an oral declaration regarding Joseph, and how Joseph declares that his bones are to be uh, taken out of Egypt, you know. And, uh, and guess what? Later on we read that Moses uh, basically refers to what Joseph had declared. There's a partial quotation of what he stated there, and his bones indeed are taken out of Egypt and so forth, which that means that that oral statement that he made, because Moses wrote the first five books, and of course Joseph was around 400 years before Moses, so that means his oral statement lasted for 400 years before it was written down. So it's, uh, that, that gives us an understanding that in Scripture, there are certain declarations by uh, prophets and patriarchs and so forth, like Joseph, that uh, have oral stability that the Lord preserves because it's going to be part of his word or is part of his word. And then he, and he uh, canonizes or encapsulates it in his word. So that Jude makes a bold declaration as to what Enoch stated, and that we also find this in a book called First Enoch means nothing. It doesn't prove that he was quoting from the book of First Enoch. Uh, but let's just say for the sake of argument that he was. Well, so what? You know, the Apostle Paul uh, quotes from uh, pagans in Acts chapter 17. Yeah. That doesn't mean that when you find books where they have those statements written by those same pagans, that that makes the entire book they wrote inspired by God. For the sake of argument, I'm saying you can argue it both ways. So I'm saying let's even take the more liberal view that, well, yes, this this was, he got it from the book of First Enoch, you know. That doesn't, now let's say the first time he saw that quotation uh, the Lord, I don't believe, would have allowed it to be in Scripture if it wasn't a accurate quotation of what Enoch had actually stated. But if that was the case, that didn't mean that the rest of the book was bona fide. In fact, when you look at First Enoch and you look at it, you find out that different parts of Enoch were written at different times by different people, and much of it was written during the second temple period, long after Enoch was on the planet, you see? And it's definitely not written by Enoch.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, and for you guys who haven't read first Enoch, uh, specifically, you'll see that even in the very first chapter, it mentions Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, which wouldn't have been there (laughs) before, you know, it quotes from Daniel, it quotes from uh, Isaiah, and so if they're quoting from books that long after Enoch, we obviously know this isn't Enoch, and so one of the things when it comes to the canon of Scripture is when something is... pseudo-biographical. So you you put a fake name to it in terms of the entire book. It doesn't mean that a quotation from it isn't necessarily actually from Enoch, as you had mentioned. But to say, therefore, it's Scripture. Guys, even some of the guys I see people quote, like, hey, Michael Heiser says we should read it because of this. um," Even he says, it's clearly not Scripture. Um, (laughs) He knows it's not. First Enoch is clearly not Scripture. Even if reading it may give us a good understanding of what people believed during that Second Temple era, right? The, the, right. the That Second, Tem- Second Temple era, which is fine to get some insights. You know, we read stuff all the time. In fact, something that was prevalent in the early church was they would have things like the Epistle of Barnabas, right? That would be actually, they would say, hey, is this part of the canon and so forth? But these things were considered beneficial to believers, but it was never actually considered to be canon in the sense that a standard of rule that was absolutely theonustos, or God-breathed. In fact, one of the things, and I'm sure Joe will point this out, I'm just going through my own line of thinking when it comes to this book, it gets the Messiah wrong. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, that's the most dangerous thing. That's critical. If you're saying this is scripture. But there are all these, and I believe it's chapter 37 all the way to 71, where there's all these pictures of the Messiah, and it quotes a lot of the things, that he would be a light to the Gentiles. Son of man
2: and so S- forth. Yeah. Son
1: of man. But who's the son of man, according to 1 Enoch 71? And it's well, very clear. I don't know if you have the quote, <laughs> no, but We're going to get into that. Okay, no, we're, we're going to get into that. that. We'll get I don't want because, to bury the lead here. No, no, that's good, though, man. I'm yeah. glad you're on
2: that, bro. Praise yeah. God, because to me, that is the clincher. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of things that Done. make it re- reveal <laughs> that this is not the Word of God, uh, but that's the most critical. Uh, and perhaps I'll state this from the get-go. Uh, not only do they have Jesus wrong as far as who Christ is, but even the second coming of Christ, or I should say, even their prophecy of when M- Messiah reigns, uh, well, guess who they refer to as Messiah they, uh, in the book of Enoch? In First Enoch, it states that the Messiah will be a lamb with two huge black horns. <laughs> and I thought, when I read that, I thought, Wow. Who's the lamb with two horns? The the false prophet comes and he he looks like a lamb, it says, but he speaks like a dragon. So he speaks Satan's words as a deception. And it looks like the book of Enoch might even be used to uh, present a false messiah as Christ, who will be in fact be the antichrist or the false prophet. Because we read in Revelation chapter 13 that the beast that comes up out of the sea that encourages people to worship the first beast, which is the antichrist, I'm sorry, the beast that comes from the earth, which encourages the people to worship the first beast and take the number of his name on the right hand of forehead over his mark, the number being 666, to buy or sell. It says that that second beast, who identifies later in Revelation 19 with the term the false prophet, who did these miraculous signs to get people to worship the, 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 or the beast, the first beast, it says that he will look like a lamb, but speak like a dragon, and he will have two horns. I thought, isn't that interesting that in the book of Enoch it talks about this lamb that has uh, these two horns? When Jesus identified as a lamb, but if you go and look at uh, how it describes them, it talks about seven horns in chapter 5 and so forth. So uh, it's just quite chilling when we look at that. Also, I keep, think, keep this in mind that in Enoch, over and over again, Enoch is presented as the anointed one or the, the son of man. And, well, you don't see that he's, pre- he's presented that as that, but this coming Messiah, the son of man, the, the anointed and so forth. And uh, these, the, the chosen one, the elect one, is used over and over again of this coming. You know, And then later on, as you said, Chad, it's nonetheless designated, defined as, you find out at the end of that whole section where this whole thing yep. builds up for chapter after chapter after chapter, it identifies Enoch as that one. And we'll get more in depth into it in a little bit, but listen to what First Enoch 19.3 says. It identifies him pretty much as the ultimate prophet. So I, Enoch, I saw a vision of the end of everything alone. And by the way, I don't have time to get into it, but when you look, he sees the name of everybody uh, that will exist. He sees all their works. I mean, they basically assign like, a sense of omniscience to a man, which is ridiculous. And he said, I saw the vision of the end of everything alone, and no man shall see as I have seen. So it's almost like, you know, Muhammad was the greatest of the prophets. He's presented us like the greatest of the prophets, which is ridiculous because Daniel, uh, you know, uh, he actually used the book of Daniel, and there's references to the book of Daniel, which is ridiculous because Daniel was written, uh, you know, thousands of years later after Enoch existed, uh, and there's a lot of second temple Uh, mythology also worked its way into uh, Enoch. But it's interesting, the book of Daniel is sealed, seal the words of this prophecy we read at the end of Daniel, uh, chapter 12. But in the book of Revelation, that's the ultimate prophetic prophecy of the end uh, because we read in Revelation 22.10, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near yet. We're supposed to believe, and ultimately Jesus is the most ultimate prophet, but uh, Enoch was, as we'll see, a false prophet. He made false prophecies, uh, that I need to be tested uh, by the word of God, and then you're going to have to believe that Enoch's uh, all these, and and it's voluminous, Chad. When you look at the uh, first Enoch, it's huge. Yeah, we're, after, we're supposed to believe that that survived, you know, uh, the antediluvian age, and it survived the flood, and that Noah had it with him apparently, and then it went into Egypt, and they had it with them then, and so forth. And yet, all of this time, we see this book with them, but you don't have Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah ezekiel and malachi and on and on quoting from it as because it doesn't exist prior to some of their time it doesn't exist uh uh and then when it does exist because it's second temple period work at least much of it is uh you don't see it quoted by uh, the prophets and you see a quotation from enoch but not from first enoch and i think that's very very important to understand now it's interesting as well because when we look at this let's look at uh, some of these examples uh Enoch is actually talking, and Chad, you already made reference to, he's talking about things that he wasn't around, as though he was around at the time they took place. So at times, the writers of First Enoch are forgetting that he's getting revelations from different angels, like Uriel and so forth, uh, supposedly, and a bunch of names that are brought up. In fact, Azazel is is basically Satan, and Satan is relegated. He's only mentioned a couple times in Enoch, and he's uh, like doesn't seem to be his power as Azazel, who, and another Gadriel is the one who deceives Eve, not Satan. It's just all messed up. You cannot... Hold the word of God in your hands and and say, praise you, Lord, and reconcile this book with it. But it's interesting because he talks to fallen angels in chapter 12, verses 3 through 6. He talks to Noah in chapter 65, which makes no sense because he died uh, before Noah. Uh, He only lived just, what, 365 days or so. Uh, That is Enoch. And he died before Noah came on the scene. Yet he's talking to Noah. uh, And he teaches children in chapter 61 or 81, after he's supposed to be dead. He converses with Methuselah in chapter 106 after he's supposed to not be dead, after he's taken, uh, Enoch wasn't dead, but after he lived on the earth, I should say. However, God's word declares in Genesis 5:24, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Yet the book of Enoch wants to believe that he came back and made, and he kind of hung out in this, these valleys in the earth and that he would reveal himself at times. And that's how he was continuing to get revelations during this time and so forth, but Hebrews eleven five says by faith Noah or Enoch, by faith Enoch was taken up, uh, that he would not see death, and he was not found. He was not found because God took him up. Oh, according to this book, he was found over and over again, and revealed himself over and over again. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Uh, the scripture seems pretty definitive uh, in in that regard. Uh, also, we're warned to be on guard in the last days. And he, he tells us what Noah's birth was like. And a lot of this just reads like mythology. You don't read yeah. these kinds of things that I'm going to read right now in the scripture. So when Noah's born, his, he, he's, he's so bright and lit up. When he comes out of the womb, he's like this huge flashlight, man, that his parents, you know, just, they flee from the house because it's such, because he's all, because he's lit the house. We don't even read that about Jesus, you know? <laughs> uh, and at the same time, he has these laser beam eyes, you know, just these laser beams where lasers come out of his eyes. It's just mythology, and Enoch is telling us what it was like in recording Noah's birth and what happened and how his parents reacted or his father reacted and so forth uh, when Enoch wasn't around. He was taken before that. So it's so much fabrication here. It becomes obvious when you understand biblical history, and it smells like a lot of the other fakes we read, you know, uh, the different, you know, uh, books that aren't in in the Scripture. We read in uh, chapter 106, verse 1 of first Enoch and after those days my son Methuselah chose a wife for his son Lamech and she became pregnant by him by the way why wasn't this codified in scripture when Moses why didn't Moses write about this he wrote the first five books of the Bible and this is about a lot of the beginnings but it's way different than Genesis and the book of beginnings that we have that's inspired by God and Jesus over and over again quoted Moses but he never said and Enoch in his first book said this and And then Enoch, it's written over and over again. And after those days, my son Methuselah took a wife from his son Lamech, and she became pregnant by him and bore a son. And his body was white like snow and red uh, uh, red like the flower of a rose. And the hair of his head was white like wool. His eyes were beautiful. And when he opened his eyes, he made the whole house bright like the sun. Uh, That's pretty heavy. Uh, By the way, keep this in mind because they're making him... They're doing this because over and over again, they're trying to make him the Messiah. They're making him the, the Messiah. He's a false Messiah. The first Enoch pr- purports that Enoch is the Messiah. And we see this over and over again, building up to him, being revel- revealed as the Son of Man, taking the title of Jesus Christ from Daniel chapter 7, that Jesus applied to himself, and it's being applied to Enoch. And that is blasphemy, folks. So I, I don't, don't walk but run to the ne- nearest exit if somebody gives you this book. When he opened his eyes, he made the whole house bright like the sun. So the whole house was exceptionally bright. And when he was taken from the hand of the midwife, he opened his mouth and spoke to the Lord of righteousness. So as a baby, he's already speaking, you know. This is just fictitious. And his father Lamech was afraid of him and fled and went to his father Methuselah. So his dad was afraid of him because he just lit up the whole house with his face and his laser beam eyes and he took off. And he said to him, I have begotten a strange son. He's not like a man, but like the children of the angels of heaven. You see the messianic type references again and again of a different type, not like us. You see, ontologically different. And his eyes are like the rays of the sun and his face is glorious. So it's important that we understand that, again, Enoch could not have witnessed that to have written that down. He's reporting it as though it happened in the past. That's important. So it shows you that these guys slip of their pen quite often and embellish uh, biblical history to basically make it look fantastical, and this is some kind of uh, hit revelation of God that we need to check out. In fact, it's interesting, in 1 Enoch 67, 1 and 2, guess what? Noah doesn't build the ark there. The angels build the ark. It kind of reminds you of the movie, Noah, yeah, you know? the rock and people. And the stuff. rock people, you know, and the <laughs> Nephilim or whatever making the ark. 1 Enoch 67, 1 and 2 says, And in those days the word of God came unto me, and he said unto me, Noah, thy lot has come up before me. And now the angels are making a wooden building, or a wooden, which is a reference to the ark. All scholars admit that. And when they have completed that task, I will place my hand upon it and preserve it, that the earth will not uh, remain without inhabitant. Obviously a reference to the ark. But again, it's angels making the ark. Again, we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse seven, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness uh, that is keeping with faith. In fact, in the book of Genesis, When you read uh, chapter 6, verses 13 through 16, we read that God gives details to, not angels, but to Noah as to how to make the ark. And the Lord said to him, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark uh, of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms. You shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Uh, Doesn't go on to say, but the angels are actually going to do this, Noah, and you'll actually help them. Noah says, this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits and 50, uh, 50 cubits. And, and it goes on and on and on, you know. So I won't give you all the details there. So we also read in 1 Enoch chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, that the angel is instructed to get the warning, uh, uh, warning to Noah while the ark is being built. So he can go hide himself. So Noah is like supposed to hide himself instead of preach, preach as a coward. And that's not what we read. We read that Noah in 1 Peter chapter 3 was a preacher of righteousness. Go ahead and read it. Uh, we read that during that 120 years, then Noah was a preacher of righteousness uh, and the long-suffering of God. We In 2 Peter 3, we read about uh, God's patience in the, in the days of Noah, and not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And that's in reference to the world today, but it's in uh, it's in respect to God, uh, basically, uh, who is grieved of, of the wickedness. But it says in Hebrews chapter 11, that Noah condemned the world. Okay. He condemned their sin, and he was a preacher of righteousness, 1 Peter 3. In the long-suffering of the days of Noah, in 2 Peter chapter 3, that was the heart of God, that was the heart of Noah, and he didn't pick a coward who didn't want to warn people and have the angels build the ark. And by the way, the book of Enoch contradicts itself over and over and over and over again because later on you read that, oh, it was actually Noah that built the ark. Well, which is it, you know? And if you say, well, it was Noah plus the angels helped him, well, that's still adding to the scripture, and the scriptures tell us, do not add to God's word or he will rebuke you. That's a serious thing. And if you add to the word of this prophecy and revelation, they will add to the plagues that are in that. And we certainly don't want to add to his word. We certainly don't want to believe books that add to his word.
0: You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202. Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1 866 JC Truth. That's 1 866 528 7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on The Good Fight Radio Show.